And so when, when Philip came in, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the work of the gospel was being proclaimed. He just wanted to be part of that. He wanted to have that. He wanted to have that control. Well, what we know about Simon, if we were to compare these two cities this morning, figuratively, of course, Simon was very insincere about the gospel. It was just something that was passing. It was the new thing, right? It's a new fad. If, if I, if I follow Philip, I'm gonna have people following me too. It's the new thing. It's the new thing. I mean, how, how many diets can we go through? Diet fads can we go through in America today? You know, there's, I mean, there's been all kinds of stuff. You know, the South Beach diet, P90X, keto, lazy keto. That's the new one. I'm all about that one, right? <laughs> lazy keto means you can have donuts whenever you want. I think that's really what that one's about. Everybody's like, really? That's, that's what I'm going to do. And I think for, for Simon, it was, it was very insincere because he thought this is just a new fad. Because here's the thing, there'd been other Christs that had come through. There'd been other religions. There'd been other ways, right? Um, understand this is in Samaria, so there were a lot of kind of weird beliefs in Samaria anyways. There was a lot of intermingling of, of different types of belief systems even in this area. Simon was insincere. What was Philip? I think we could say was sincere. He was 100% sold out. Do you guys like that? How many of you like to see someone in church that's 100% sold out saying, you know what, I'm going to just give it all to Jesus, right? That was Philip. Philip was sincere. Simon enjoyed a cult following at one time in his life. It says that people followed him everywhere. And then Philip comes along and steals his, steals his thunder, I guess, you know. He enjoyed a cult following. But Philip, here's the cool thing. Philip enjoyed practicing holiness. That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Hey, we're going to get together and we're going to practice holiness this week, right? We're going to, we're going to set ourselves apart for the glory of God this week. You break holiness down, it, it sounds a little better, right? If we just say holiness, everybody thinks, well, you're just some, you know, you're some stick in the mud or something like that. Holiness, all it really is is just saying, God, I'm yours. God, I'm set apart for your glory, for your work. And and here we see Philip is that guy, right? Philip is that city. He's like, man, I just want to practice holiness so that God is glorified. The, the apostles, when you see that they were sent down, and, and it's it's interesting, why did the apostles come down? And, and maybe right there around verse 14, it's kind of thrown a lot of people because they say, well, why weren't these people filled with the Holy Spirit yet? Why wasn't all this going on? There's a lot of discussions we can have about this, but I think a, an interesting point we need to bring up here is that this is the first time in recorded proclaiming of the gospel where people who were not Jewish came to Jesus. And I think it had something to do with uh, the Christian leaders there in Jerusalem. They wanted to go down here and see for themselves that God was moving among the Gentiles too, right? Now, this was something significant that was going on. And so, so for me, I mean, we can argue like, well, does the Holy Spirit come before or after? Well, I'm, I'm of the belief system. I believe the Holy Spirit works before or otherwise we couldn't come to Jesus. There's no way that we could even know. We're so lost in our sins that we couldn't come to Jesus if it were not for the work of the Holy Spirit. But there was a, there was a special thing that was going on here. I believe that God wanted to show the, the church that, hey, this message is for everyone. It's for the Jews. It's for the Samaritans. It's for everyone, right? The Samaritans were kind of that, what were they? They were kind of that dirty, that dirty group, right? They were kind of mixed blood. They were, you know, they weren't the purebreds. You know, they weren't the, they weren't the ones who'd been in church their whole life, that kind of thing. I mean, they were kind of looked down upon in a lot of ways. But 
the message was just as much for them as it was for the people back in Jerusalem, wasn't it? Those apostles, they go and we see here where they marvel at the work of the Spirit and it says that they show up and they see that these people have really been touched by God and so they laid hands upon them. Now guys, I know we're Baptists and this scares us to death, but this idea of laying on of hands of people, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I just want to say that today, okay? That when we come together and we pray, there's nothing wrong for me to lay hands on my brother and to pray for him. It's not a weird thing. I don't want you guys to think that, well, our, our charismatic brothers and sisters, that they have the, the market on that. No, this is a Christian thing, right? Where the laying on of hands is basically this, this idea that, you know what? We are all instruments of God. And they laid hands on these people, and then there was an understanding. There was, a, there was just a, a work of the Holy Spirit that day. And not only were those people rejoicing and going forth from that place, but Peter and John were pretty pumped too. They were pretty excited. And then along came Simon, old simple Simon. He has some good pizza, but you know, this is not the simple Simon that we want to emanate. We don't want to be like him. We don't want to be like simple Simon. Because simple Simon, all he can get past is, you know what? I want a piece of this. And so he offers money. Hey, <laughs> what if, I hear some money. Give me what you guys got. I, I want to go and do this too. I've seen that a lot in the church. People come to church because they're like, man, I want to be a part of this, right? I want to be a part of this, but then when the going gets tough, the tough don't get going, but the weak get going, and they leave. And they go find something else to get a part of. And so, so it says here that Peter kind of calls him out on it. He's like, man, you, you're wrong, man. There's something wrong with you. You really are simple, Simon. You have some great pizza, but man, you're missing the point right here. That, that it's not about that. that. That money that you're wanting to give me, that's not what the gospel's about. That's not what the work of the Holy Spirit is about. We kind of egg each other on, don't we? <laughs> okay. Uh, so you, you see this, that, that they, they understood that something's not right with this Simon guy. And so they call him out on it and they say, you need to ask God to set you straight before you go down a really bad road. I don't, I don't know where Simon went after this. I'm sure there's some accounts, maybe some thoughts about what happened exactly to Simon. Um, one thing I can say about Simon is that he doesn't pray for himself. He asks them to pray for him, and that's, that concerns me a little bit. Because they said, hey, you need to pray to God. And they said, he, and what's his response? Hey, you guys pray for me. You guys pray to the Lord. I pray that God turned him around. Pray that God set him free. I don't know exactly what happened, but here we have those two cities on a hill. And I, church, what I want us to know today is we need to be like Philip. And I'm not talking about Philip the man, but I mean Philip the man who is filled with the Holy Spirit that is bringing glory to God and everything that he does. You guys want to see this place continue to grow? Man, you know what? I, I, one thing I look at this passage here, I, I'm reminded that we need the gospel ringing in our ears constantly. These men, John, Philip, Andrew, James, Peter, the gospel message was still ringing in their ears. Have you guys ever been to a really loud concert? And the next day you, you wake up and it's like, you're still hearing it? I mean, I know some of you are like huge Garth Brooks fans in here. I know you are. I went to a Garth Brooks concert and it was one, it was a loud concert, right? I happen to be a Garth Brooks fan, so... At least I'm not a Nickelback fan or a Rascal Flatts fan, okay? So, but, but I went to the Garth Brooks, man, you know, wonderful thing. I've told you guys the story before, you know, I, I bought the tickets last minute. I told my wife, I told the kids, hey, we're going to go see Garth, but we're going to be way up and, you know, nosebleed, 
it's not going to be that great. I bought tickets and we were literally like front stage, right? That was awesome for us. Some people wouldn't like that very much, but I liked it. But we've all probably been to a concert or maybe to a sport, sporting event or something like that where your ears just rung afterwards. You know, it was just like fresh on your, on your ears. And these guys had that same experience with the gospel. They, they had just previously, not too long ago, heard Jesus say, Matthew 28, you guys know this passage, go into all the world, right? And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus had just spoken these words to these men, and this is all they knew. They had not been to seminary. Most of them probably didn't know much about the world at all much less going to a group of people who they looked down upon as Jews, but now they're going to them and proclaiming the gospel. Something fundamentally had changed in the life of Philip. Something totally different was going on in his life. That he was doing things that he wasn't doing before. The, the gospel got a hold of him, and it, and it just changed him. And church, we need to be like them. The, the gospel still needs to be ringing in our ears as we're going around the world. We, we need to be comfortable with the sharing of the gospel. So many of us in the church today, we're uncomfortable sharing the gospel with someone. Well, Daniel, they might think I'm weird. Yeah, they might. Newsflash, they probably already do think you're weird. If you're like me, you might as well preach the gospel. A lot of times we, we think that that's, well, that's somebody else's job. That's the missionary's job. I love that we, you know, we do missionary offerings. I love that we send missionaries overseas. But church, here's the thing, and everybody look at me. We're all missionaries for Christ. At the very basis, we're all called to proclaim the gospel. And we should be very, very comfortable proclaiming the gospel. Here we see a Philip that goes out and he's comfortable proclaiming the gospel. Simon, he just wanted to pay money to get something. He's won that, you know, 1999 program where you can learn how to, you know, all your neighbors with the power of the gospel and just one easy payment. That's not how it works. Next couple points kind of speak to me as a pastor. Our baptistry should never run dry. I'm going to say that one more time. I know we're Baptists, but come on, hear me out. Our baptistry should never run dry. Well, Daniel, it's, you know, sometimes you're just not going to, you're just going to go through seasons. Here's what I do know. I do know that there's a world out here in front of us that does not know Jesus. And here's another thing I know. I know the gospel is powerful enough to save people. And here's what I do know is that we're not, we're not proclaiming the gospel like we should. If the church comes together and we proclaim the gospel and the gospel changes them, I believe that the, our, across this nation, around this world, that the baptistry should never run dry. We've kind of gotten in our minds that, well, baptisms are, you know, they, they kind of happen after camp, after VBS, right? They happen a couple times a year, and that's when our big Baptist, uh, uh, baptistry times are. That's, that's when we use them. I, I was putting water in this thing this week, and there were some bugs in it, and I'm kind of ashamed of that, you know? Why are there bugs in this thing? I did. I didn't clean them out. But anyways, the, uh, <laughs> there might have been a spider or two in there. But, but I, I, was, I was thinking about this, that, you know, our baptistry should just be running, 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 and always full. Because here's the thing, we have a good news, and there are people that need to know Jesus. Don't you agree? We should be comfortable proclaiming the gospel. We should be people who are never letting our baptistries burn dry. And guys, here's the, here's the last thing that really gets to me. Our discipleship programs should be busting at the seams. You, you know what we need to be focusing on in this church? Everybody's like, oh, we need to, you know, we need to do this. We need to 
Jen, you add some little water bottles there in the back. That'll make people feel comfortable. Yeah, it does. Add some coffee. Yeah, we have coffee. You come early enough. Some of these people drink a lot of coffee, so you have to get here early. Here's a little secret. If you want some coffee, just go in my office. There's a coffee pot there. It's, it's ready for you. But that's not what it's about, though, is it? I mean, really, it's about us making disciples as a church. That we're we're not just making people feel comfortable in church, but we're also we're inviting them to grow in Jesus. We're being a Philip and not a Simon. We're being a Philip who's going out here and we're we're advancing the gospel, not just in knowledge, but I mean, people were changing. Their lives were changing. They they were seeing baptisms, right? And it was so big that like the big shots in Jerusalem said, well, we got to go down there and see what Philip's doing. We're jealous, you know? So they send mighty John and mighty Peter down there to look and kind of see what's going on. And then the Lord told them, hey, this gospel's for everybody. This gospel's not just for the Jewish people, the people who are just coming to Christ, who are of Jewish lineage, but this is also for the people who are in Samaria, who, who may, you know, the Samaritans who are just, man, they're probably just kind of looked down upon by everybody. Gospel. It's for everyone. Church, did you know the gospel is still for everyone? I, I've, I've been in this like prepare mode, like in my own heart. And, and it's, it's going to be really, I think, honestly, it'll be really easy for me to go to Turkey here in a couple months and just proclaim the gospel. It's going to be easy. I'm not going to have a problem there. But here's the truth for most people. It's really hard for us to proclaim Jesus in our own hometowns. We need to be adamant about preaching the gospel. So how do we get there? How do you and I get to a point that, that we're proclaiming the gospel, that we're, we're, we're never draining our baptistries? We might need to drain it every now and then, you know, to get rid of the tofu and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but here's the thing. You and I must be a people who are consistently growing, not just in number, but in telling people about who Jesus is. This place ought to have a lot of people coming in and going out, honestly. People say, what, is a, what does a healthy church look like? Well, a healthy church is every pew filled, every chair filled, every program filled. Those are great things, and I hope I know the Lord's getting us there. But honestly, I believe what a good church has going on is you got a bunch of new people coming in who are hearing the gospel and who are walking out the door changed. And then you're also, you have people who you're sending out into the world to do ministry. This church at one time, we were very much defined as a church that was going out and planting other churches. We don't need to stop that, do we? We need to continue that work, wherever that's at. My previous church, you know, I was there for 17 years, and, and we planted churches in, in, in the jungles and in Africa. I mean, we were part of that, you know? That was a good thing to be a part of. As, as churches, that's, that's a healthy church. Not when we're just getting a bunch of, you know, chicks under the, the mother's, you know, the mother hen's feathers, and getting them in here and just kind of making everybody feel comfortable, but rather we're sending people out so that other people might know about Jesus. That's a healthy church. How do we get there? How do we get there? Well, the first thing I would say this morning for us as a body of believers to get there is that we need to be proclaiming the cross. Believers proclaim the cross. What's the message of the cross? Anybody know? Is it very difficult? The message of the cross is this. You and I sin. You and I have fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who what? Who went to the cross at Calvary and shed his blood for you. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Church, that needs to be something that's fresh off our, off our lips. I was thinking about it this morning. And, and this is not on me. This is just the fact that I've had some really good 
like discipleship over the years. But when I baptized my sister this morning, I had to stop at the end and think, did I say everything right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did I say it all right? Did I say it right? And I'm like, it, it's because it just rolls off my tongue. I don't really think about it, you know? And why is it so important? Well, it's important because Jesus said to do it that way, for one. Now, some people say, oh, you're only baptizing Jesus' name. That's not what it says there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and I think, for me, that's an example that it's just rolling off my tongue. It's just something we do, right? That being a, a Baptist, baptism here, man, it's a wonderful thing. We get excited about it. Some of y'all are going to go home and say, man, it was awesome. We had, we had a, a really cool baptism this morning as someone who's really just wanting to identify with Jesus, and they want us to know it. You know, the most powerful sermon you heard today was in the, those waters right there. It's not from here. The most powerful sermon you can hear is someone who's saying, you know what? I give all to Jesus. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Not just that, but now we have this connection. I think a lot of y'all probably already felt connected to our, our new brother and sister here. I mean, they, y'all, y'all are weirdos, by the way, okay? Well, I'm just saying, you're weirdos, because here's, here's, here's why I say this. You guys, here's the thing. From the, from the first day they walked in here, they just went to work. I'm not saying that to lift them up, okay? But they walked in here and they're like, yep, this is the place we want to be. This is the place where God has planned for us. And they just went to work. Not because of Daniel, not because of you, but because they have a good God. And they see God working here and they want to be part of that. That's different, isn't it? So a lot of times people come to church and they're just like, well, let's, let's give it a chance, you know. Let's see if their coffee's good every Sunday, you know. Let's see if their pastor, you know, let's see if he, if he, if he brings it every Sunday or let's see, you know, let's see, let's see how the music is. Let's see if maybe they change it up a little bit, you know. Do they always sing the new stuff or do they sometimes sing the hymns or do they sing the Southern gospel? Are we a cappella? You know, I mean, people have those thoughts when they come to church. When honestly, when we come to church, we say, God, how can I serve you? Philip was going around and people were just like, you know what? I want a part of that. Simon was insincere, but at least we can say he saw something there, right? And in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that Simon just said, you know what, I'm wrong, God, forgive me. Now use me. I don't know the story, maybe you know the rest of his life, but I I do know this, is that the call for the church today is to be sincere in our faith, and we need to be adamant about proclaiming the cross. Everybody hear that today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, mark this down, go back and read it later. But, but Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, When I came to you, brothers, you guys are familiar with this passage. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, right? He says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus. That's it. You know, I, I, I talk to a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ, and they say, Well, Daniel, what's your, what's your eschatological, you know, Thoughts. Are, are you this or are you that? Here's a big one you probably hear in churches a lot. Are you Calvinist or are you Arminian, right? Well, which, you know, which, which person do you seek after? Here's the thing. We ought to be seeking after Jesus and Jesus alone. I understand we're all going to look at like Arminianism and Calvinism from very different viewpoints. But at the end of the day, Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what we need to preach. i got a lot of brothers and sisters who are just losing ground daily in their churches, daily in their ministries, because that's all they talk about. They want to sound high and lofty of themselves. Theology is good. I I said this a few weeks ago in our Wednesday night group. Every believer should be a theologian, right? And some of you are like, I'm not a theologian, but you are because theology is just the study of God. But we get lost on these silly little side gigs, 
Well, what are you, are you this school? Are you that school? Here's the thing. We all ought to be of the school of Jesus. Because he is truly the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul says, I didn't come to you trying to teach something like this, that, or the other. I just come to you and, pro- and I preach Jesus. And him what? Crucified. So I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not impossible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He says, my words weren't that great, but you know, the Holy Spirit was there. As a pastor, man, I like when people say, man, I like the way you preach. I like your style. Yeah. Everybody likes to be liked, right? Anybody here like to be hated? (laughs) This guy. Just by your wife, right? <laughs> but the thing about that we know here today is that I think everybody likes to be liked, but Paul's like, I don't care if you like the way I preach. I just hope you you felt the Holy Spirit when I left. That you were like, you know what? The Holy Spirit was there today. I mean, yeah, you, you, you said some cool stuff, and you know, you know, Paul probably, a lot of times he'd come up to people to preach, and they were like, yeah, you killed my grandma, Paul. You sorry sucker. Paul says, I didn't come to you to try to impress you. I just come to preach Jesus. And the thing is, people say, well, how did, how did Paul preach to the church that he had tormented for so long? He was able to preach to them because he just preached the truth. They couldn't argue that. And here's the thing. Nobody can argue the truth of God. And what I think is inter- interesting is if you're preaching Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and someone says you're wrong, what's interesting is why would they take so much energy to say you're wrong? I've known people who were Buddhists, and I didn't spend all my crying hours trying to prove them wrong. All I had to do was prove that Christ is alive within me. I've shown him love. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I know you guys have heard this story before, but, you know, that when the, when the IRS and, and people like that, the money, the, 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 the money makers in our, our United States, one of the training that all these money divisions go through, they go through how to identify a counterfeit. And the, the, the way that they know a counterfeit is that they make them study the true bills. But you think they would throw like a bunch of counterfeits at them. You know, here's some Monopoly money, you know, here's some Candyland stuff. No, what they throw in front of these people are real bills, real money. And they say, learn this one because if you see anything different than this, it's a counterfeit. It's wrong. Church, we just need to be preaching Jesus, right? A focus upon the cross. I love John Newton. He's a a great theologian, great preacher. One thing you should know about John Newton is he also, he was a, uh, a captain on a slave ship. Uh, he bought and sold slaves. But then at one point in his life, he found out that that's wrong. Somewhere along the way, somebody said, you know what, that's not true. So he became an abolitionist. He gets out of the slave trade. He becomes a preacher of the gospel. And some people say, John Newton is one of the greatest preachers. Some of his sermons, are, we still read them today. Here's what John Newton had to say about preaching, all right? He says, at first my chief, Solicitude used to be what I should find to say. John's like, you know what? I spend all week thinking, what am I going to preach about this week? I need to talk about something. I need to tie something neat in there. I need to have some eloquent speech or something like that. He says, I hope it is now that I may not speak in vain. For the Lord hath not sent me here to acquire the character of a ready speaker. But he has sent me here to win the souls to Christ and to edify his people. What you guys need as a pastor and what you guys need to be practicing in your own circles within this church is not just we're going to impress each other. What we need to do is just to preach Jesus to the unsaved. And we need to be preaching Jesus so that believers are edified. We need to be encouraging each other with these words, don't we? And, and, and 
John Newton understood that. He's like, hey, this is, this is my job. My job's not to impress you. That I don't want people just saying, well, you need to go to John Newton's church because he's really, man, he's a really good speaker. He says, I, I want people to say, hey, that guy's preaching Jesus. What else did he think about himself? Listen to this. He, go, he goes on. He says, often when I began to preach a sermon, I'm at a loss of how I shall proceed. Man, I can relate to that. I had that, I had that going on this morning. You know? Man, well, what am I going to say? What's going to happen? I had my notes. I had my study. I mean, so this sermon here has been in the works for about a month now, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, what, what if somebody shows up and they don't like what I say? You know, these thoughts that come through our human minds. But he says here, often when I began, I would be like at a loss. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. And he says, and in general, the best and most useful parts of my sermon occur de novo while I'm preaching. That basically, off the cuff, whatever he says. And I, man, I can relate to that. Somebody else said, dang, that was a really good point. And I'm like, yep, didn't know it until I said it. It just kind of came out. The Holy Spirit speaking to your hearts, to mine. That's proclaiming the cross, though, isn't it? That it just happens, just like today when I, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I'll baptize you, my sister. You know I mean? That just, it rolled off my tongue. But when we preach the gospel, it should be just as easy. Some of you guys are, you're diehard Pokes fans, right? Yesterday, pistols firing. I'm not going to say anything for us Sooner fans because it was a terrible day. I didn't even know TCU had a football program, but here we are. But Boomer Sooner just rolls off people's minds that are Sooner fans, right? If you're, you know, if you're a Thunder fan, there's things that roll off your, your tongues. It's just, it's, this is the, this is how humans are conditioned. There's things that we say, right? And it just kind of happens. McDonald's is da 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 da. Yeah? That just rolled off your tongue, didn't it? And mostly all they said, I'm loving it. You don't, you, you would not claim that you like McDonald's, but you're a liar. Everybody loves McDonald's, right? Everybody's like, I don't love McDonald's. I don't eat at McDonald's. I don't, I don't eat that. Okay. They've sold millions of burgers somehow. I don't think it was all for me. But the gospel ought to just come off our tongues in the same way. Right? It ought to roll off our tongues in such an easy way that we proclaim the gospel in that way. Uh, this, the other thing, the second point I would say this morning is that believers are faithful to the word. So don't just be faithful to, you know, a creed. I'm a proud American, you know. I, I love being a part of the United States of America. My son's making some decisions right now that are scaring me as far as being a public servant. And I'm like, whoa, man, this is scary. But I'm super proud too, you know. But what are we defined as? We just defined as Americans or just defined as Okies or Sooners or Cowboys or what, what are we defined as? We ought to be defined as people who are faithful to the Word of God. Philip was a man who was faithful to the Word of God. Amen. That's all he knew. He's just preaching the word of God. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to go to Samaria. I'm going to go to people that I don't even like. <laughs> you know, I think that they're not good enough. But I'm going to go and preach the gospel to them anyways and see what happens. And he does. And revival breaks out. And again, the point was he preached Jesus crucified and he stayed close to the word of God. How do we reach and continue to reach McLeod? We keep preaching the Bible. 
Well, Daniel, we may preach something that, that offends somebody within the community. Maybe they look at life this way, or maybe they, they think this is wrong or this is not wrong. And, and the Bible says the opposite. What do we do? You preach the Word of God. You stay faithful to this. You just keep preaching that. I've had people who were deeply lost in their sin who still came to church, and we were like super, super tuned into what the Word of God said, and they still came to church anyways. And I was like, there's no way that person's coming back. They identify as this, this, or this, you know, and then they come to church and they hear the day they come to church, that's when I'm preaching against what they are dealing with, right? And I'm like, well, this is not going to go over well. But yet I see God changes their life. It's the power of the Word. And what we know is that believers are not just proclaimers of the cross, but we're also we're faithful to the Word of God. In 1 Peter, you can mark this for later, 1 Peter chapter 4, we, we read where we're supposed to be nice to each other. Everybody look around. Everybody say, I love you. You ready? Come on. Y'all love each other. Say, right, look around and say, I love you. Why are those such weird words, right? We, we are to be loving each other and encouraging each other, right? But we're also to be people who focus upon the Word of God. If we come to, to Sunday service and all I do is just make you feel good and you leave, what's the point, right? But the thing is, is about what we've done, even if, if, if this sermon were to be cut short right now and you guys were to leave, you've had the Word of God already read to you. You've already read the Word. You've already heard. You know what I mean? Like the Word of God's been proclaimed. And that Word will do something good in your life. But, but the writer here in Peter, he, he says, you know, hey, be nice to each other and all that, but you get to verse 11 in chapter 4 of 1 Peter. He says, but whoever speaks, speak as one who is an oracle of God. How are we to speak to each other? Needs to be right here. Everything we say. Is the Bible honored in our speech? Because it should be. It should be honored. Why is that? It's because we are faithful to the Word. The last thing I want to say this morning before we kind of head from this place. This is a good word. Everybody want a good word? Some of you are like, Daniel, you're, t- you're killing us, man. We, we have to... We have to proclaim something. We, we, have to, we have to stay true to the Bible, even though we struggle with it sometimes too. I mean, honestly, most of us struggle with the Bible too, don't we? There's things in the Bible I'm like, oh man, that hurts. I got to do what? We all struggle with the Bible. The Bible is the truth, though. And we're faithful to it, whether it hurts us or not. If, if it hurts us, then there needs to be change, right? But here's some good news. Everybody's ready for this one, right? The good news is this. Believers will be rewarded. Okay? Now, I know that sounds good, and some of you are just like, man, I'm here because I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) I get it. We just come through August in Oklahoma. It's pretty close to hell sometimes, isn't it? It's hot. I mean, come on. It's it's like hot outside. You're like very much like, oh, man, this is why I don't want to go to to that place. I want to go up there, you know? Believers will be rewarded. I, I like the thought. I mean, it's good that we're like, you know, and I want to follow Jesus so I don't go to the bad place. I want to go to the good place. But but let's let's get a different picture of that. Well, journey with me. Second Timothy chapter four. Flip over there. Second Timothy chapter four. We're gonna wrap with this little passage here. I like how we're uh we're talking about the church in Acts, and then we're referencing later the writings of Paul, right? Paul had caused so much problems that Philip had actually had to run away from his home and was proclaiming the gospel to the Samaritan people because Paul 
was a bigot. Okay. And, and all of that, right? That this was all Saul's fault. This is, this is what happened. But here now we read where Paul is speaking. Look at, look at 2, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's writing this. He says, I charge you in the presence of God, verse 1, and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Everybody say preach the word. What's your job? Preach the word, right? It's not, he's not just talking to preachers here. He's talking to the church there. Some people say, well, he's talking to Timothy. He's talking to Timothy to relay the word to the other people. We are all to be preaching the word. And he says, preach the word. Be ready in summer. No. In season. Out of season. When it's cool. When it's not cool. When it, when it hurts. When it, when it feels good. When, when it offends people. When it just is something people enjoy and they love. No. It's in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. And exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the word. Preach it just for all that it is, right? Why? The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You guys ever been to a, maybe a church service or a, heard a sermon where the guy was just, he's just tickling people's ears? He's just trying to make people feel good. Honestly, as a pastor, I hope I make y'all feel terrible every week. <laughs> that sounds bad. But you know what I'm saying, right? Because honestly, if, if you preach the truth, if you're, if you're true to the Word of God, if you proclaim the cross, it's going to offend people. It's going to offend all of us at some level. But that offense draws us closer to Jesus, amen? It's for the times coming where people are just going to going to accumulate teachers for them. I love how it says accumulate here in the ESV, accumulate. When I think of accumulate, I think of like uh, maybe in your coffee pot, after a while the minerals accumulate on there. It's just this cruddy stuff that's on the inside. That's what he, That's really the picture we're getting here with that word accumulate. It's like, uh, you know, maybe when you hadn't scrubbed your toilet in a while, like accumulate, right? Accumulates. It's not, it's not like accumulate as in like, you know, we're going to have a bunch of money. We're going to accumulate like uh, a bunch of money in my, in my savings account. So it's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about like disgusting things. It says people are going to do that. I see that happening in our society. So what's the call of us today? Preach the word. Because people are trying to accumulate stuff that doesn't matter. They're going to turn away, verse 4, from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. Verse 5, as for you, mark it down. As for you, who's he talking to? Believers. As for you. Okay, these people are doing this, but as for you, what befits you, right? As for you, always be sober-minded. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a Baptist preacher preach that as, this is all about, you know, not drinking alcohol. It's not even what he's talking about. That's another sermon, right? But really what he's talking about is having a clear mind. A clear mind, what? That you see in Philippians when he tells the church in Philippi, he says, have the mind of Christ. Have a clear mind. Don't, don't let the world cloud you. Don't let it have all that accumulation going on up here, that bad stuff. As for you, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill. What? Your ministry? I mean, isn't he speaking to all of us today? 
Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Guys, we may go through suffering. It may happen. I'm not talking about having to wait in line at McDonald's after service today. That's not suffering for Jesus. Okay? Man, i got to wait this long? It's not what we're talking about here. It's not what Paul had. It's not what he was talking about with suffering. He wasn't saying, you know, you got to wait in line at, at you know, like, like my uh, adventure a few months ago at Taco Bell where I waited in line and they didn't even have meat or cheese or anything. And they was like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, well, what else is there? And they're like, well, we have tortillas. Yes, I want to pay premium dollars for tortillas from you. That's not what we're talking about. This is not the suffering that, that he's talking about here. It's suffering for the gospel. As for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Preach the word. Fulfill. Your ministry, man. I, I've I've done um done some like work in my time that I'm not like uh I kind of hate it. Has anybody here ever ran a marathon? Right? Okay, don't do it. All right. So, anyways, but I've ran a couple marathons, and I've you know Joni yesterday. She's like, hey, Oklahoma City. You know, I don't know what she's trying to say to me, but she's like, hey, oh, you know, the, the marathon's open now. If you want to sign up for it, and I'm like, yeah, maybe. What I learned about a marathon is you better be ready for it. First marathon I ran, I wasn't really ready for it. I trained for a 5K and ran a marathon. And I survived, right? <laughs> Barely, right? I did survive. I came out, you know, I was like, I, I made it. I hurt for like two months afterwards and lost a toenail over it. But all of this pain that, that happened, you know, it was like, um, if I would have prepared, right? I'd just been ready for it. And I think sometimes we forget that there's a, there's a work that we need to be doing now for the gospel. Right? Like for you right now, people say, well, what's, what's my job right now? Well, right now in this moment, you need to be listening to the Word of God. Listen to Daniel? Yeah, sure. Make me feel good. Laugh at my stupid jokes or whatever. But, but the thing about it all is, is you need to be listening to the Holy Spirit right now. God, what are you saying to my heart? God, what do I need to take from this place? What he's telling us this morning is that we need to preach the Word. We need to be faithful to the Word of God. We need to proclaim the gospel. We need to be doing the work of an evangelist, right? We need to fulfill our ministry. What does that mean, fulfill your ministry? And I think what that means is that we don't ever stop. You don't reach a certain age and say, well, I don't have to do anything in the church anymore. Ha <laughs> ha, your turn now. The true believer never stops working in the ministry because it's never fulfilled. Because last time I checked, Jesus hadn't came back yet, right? We're not in heaven dancing around on streets of gold yet. Hadn't happened yet. We continue on. Why? Look at verse 6. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Paul's writing this and he's like, you know what? I'm about to die. But even in all that, he's like, keep preaching, right? Keep going. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the faith, the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Guys, that's a wonderful way to end a sermon, right? If you keep persevering for Christ, one day you will have a crown. We also know in Revelation, though, that everybody who has the crown, the elders, right? They have these crowns. And when Jesus walks on the scene, what do they do? Smack. They throw it on the ground and they say, holy, holy, holy. And they, they worship him, right? They're not worshiping themselves. Those crowns are beautiful, but those crowns are really meant to make a big old loud clinging noise on the ground. Because they're worshiping Jesus. 
our work, and here's, here's the point I want you guys to take with you this morning. Our work, man, we're going to get rewarded for it, but here's the cool thing. The closer that you get to Jesus, the less of a selfish ambition the prize is. You get closer to Jesus, you want to go to heaven because that's what God wants. Do you realize God wants us all together in heaven? And, and really, it's cool that, hey, we get to be there, but really, you want to go to heaven because God wants us to be there. Right? Think about that for a moment, right? The closer, and I, this is true for me. I, you know, man, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I, I don't. I don't want to burn in hell. I'll be honest. But the more that I, I follow Jesus, the closer I get to Jesus, the reason I want to do things to honor him, the reason I want to go to heaven isn't from really my own benefit. It's because I want God to be honored. And what would honor God, what God wants, is for you and I to be in heaven with him. John 3.16, amen? For God so loves the world. That's his desire. And as believers in Jesus Christ today, I mean, we, we've got to understand that we have to be really good and really used to just proclaiming the cross. We have to be really really faithful to the word of God. And why? Because God has an ultimate plan. This is all leading to somewhere, right? It's all heading to somewhere. I told you guys about, you know, when you run a marathon, you prepare for it. The one thing that's so cool because it happens, and, I'm, and I've kind of kind of started training for a marathon. I've been running a few times in the last couple weeks, and um, I got out of the habit, you know, and it's like, I used to be able to run like 10 miles and it wasn't anything, you know, and I was like, one lap around the track down here. And I was like, I'm done. You know, I'm like, I'm going to go home and eat me an ice cream sandwich and, and watch some Netflix. That's what I'm going to do. And, but, but the more that I run, the more it's like, okay, yeah, I've run one. I can, now I can run two, you know, and then it's like, oh, now I can run four. And it's like, it's coming back, right? The only reason it comes back is not sitting on the couch eating ice cream sandwiches. That'd be nice if it was that way, but that's not how it works. It's about you and I practicing being evangelists preaching the gospel, actively preaching the gospel, actively being involved in the church work. Is it always perfect? No. Is church work crazy and chaotic? Yes, it is. You should have been on the bus with us the other night. Amen, Brother Tony? It was really, really loud. They're singing, well, they were singing Baby Shark. On, on Why were they singing Baby Shark? Youth pastor, can tell me why teenagers are singing baby shark and driving senior pastor insane right as we're driving down the road it was it was crazy it was a wonderful time sometimes ministry is kind of ugly and messy and all that kind of stuff but man the goal clarifies it all that if you and i continue to practice here's what we're going to see sure but here's what other people will see wednesday uh, i'll be Heading towards the big town of Portland, Oklahoma. I'm going to be preaching a, a memorial service Wednesday afternoon uh, for a lady. And I was on the fire department with her husband for years. Love this man. He talks like 90 miles an hour. When they put me on the fire department, they were like, you follow him because none of us can keep up with him. And his name's Lloyd. And um, I got the call Saturday morning that his wife had passed away. He woke up. She was gone. Um, the thing about her, his wife, Becky, she had uh, always kind of been a functioning alcoholic. Some terrible things happened in their family, and she just, man, she just went down quick. The last several years, she's been 
been really dealing with like cirrhosis of the liver and like it, all this had escalated. She had, uh, she would she was fighting her addiction time and time again. But about five years ago, six years ago, she came to church and I preached a sermon kind of like this. Nothing impressive, just preaching Jesus. And she came down and gave her life to Jesus. The next Sunday she shows up. And I'm thinking, well, she may come back. Because I knew at that point what she was dealing with. I was like, I don't, I don't really know how sober she even was in the moment. She comes back the next Sunday to be baptized, and she's baptized, right? And, and then she spent the better part of these last few years battling her addiction, sure, but, but she, she knew Jesus. And, and he calls me, he's like, the one thing she, she wanted, she wanted you to preach the funeral because of the, the message that you preached. And she, he's, he's basically telling me that everybody else in the family needs to hear the same thing, the same gospel. Your, your ministry, is it messy? Yep. Like, I really, I felt inadequate trying to help Becky because I've, I've never dealt with that type of addiction problem. I've never had that. What do I say to her? I just preach the gospel. That's all I know. But one thing I do know this morning is that in heaven, there's a young lady by the name of Becky who's not swollen anymore. She's not in pain. She's not bleeding out her mouth anymore. She's not having problems like that anymore. She's in the presence of her creator, God. And it's not because of Daniel. It's not because of First Baptist Purim or of anybody else. It's because there is a Savior who says, you know what? One of these days I'm going to redeem all these problems. I'm thankful for people in my life who preach the gospel, who were evangelists, who worked and were patient with me in my walk. Church, we've got to continue that. Amen. It's not always, it's not always glamorous. Sometimes it's riding in the van with a bunch of kids, you know. We got back and there was a couple, like a pizza or so left from from the dinner. And they, I walk in and they look like a bunch of like you ever been driving down the side of the road and there's like a bunch of buzzards or like over like a piece of roadkill or something. I look back there and they're like literally kids doing this. I'm like, I guess I'm not getting any pizza tonight, you know. It's Sonic, it is. And ministry is not always fun in that sense. But ministry is always rewarding because here's the thing. God, he commands us to be a part of it. Ministry is a lot of things. There's a lot of different things that we can do. This this is a good time here. The other night, man, we celebrated 40 years for a couple in this church. That was fun, man. I was glad I got to dance with my wife. I know Baptists aren't supposed to dance, but I danced with my wife, you know, and, and it was just, it was wonderful. We got to stay out there for quite a while because, 22, going on 23 years now in marriage, so we were out there for a little bit. Ministry, ministry leads us down a lot of places. But ministry is not temporary, amen? I'll leave you with this thought. Last week we talked about how Saul, he persecuted the church, but the persecution only lasted for just a little bit, right? But the preaching of Philip continued to this day and will continue forever. What Philip preached to those people, they're still celebrating it today. The uh, persecution, they've already forgot all about that. They've already forgiven. They've already moved on. Today they're living in the presence of the king. Guys, the reward is great, but here's the thing. The reward's good because this is what God wants. If I go to my reward, that's a good thing for me. But bigger than that, this is where God wants me to be, and this is where I'm going to find my happiness. If you're looking for happiness in this life, search for it by seeking God. The Bible tells us that we all have fallen short of God's glory. Everybody say amen. Every one of us. 
They're all falling short of God's glory, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you know Jesus today, man, walk in it, right? Wear out your testimony. Get super comfortable like telling people about Jesus. Be that believer, right? Be the Philip. Don't be the Simon who's showing up and saying, well, what can I get for you know, 50 denarii or something like that. You know, don't be that guy, right? But, but be someone who comes along and says, man, God, I want, I want to bring you glory. I want to lift you up, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to invite you to today is the day of salvation. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is, is heavily working in the lives of those. We know that because that's the definition of who the Holy Spirit is. He's that great helper, right? And I believe right now in this place, and maybe if you're listening later, that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you on some level. He's saying, it's time to come to Jesus. I say that, but you already know it. That proves the Holy Spirit said it, not me. If you don't know Jesus today, come to him. He says, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That's how it is. And believer today, if you know Jesus, but you're just not walking like you're supposed to be, use these next few moments as the worship team gets up here and they, they rock out for the Lord. What I want you to know is that during this time, just pray to God and say, God, would you empower me? Would you help me to be a person who proclaims the cross, who's true to the word of God? And I live knowing that there's going to be a reward because that's your, that's your desire. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Just continue to speak to hearts, Father. Pray today that, God, that we haven't come with any eloquence of speech or worship even, God, but we've just come proclaiming Jesus. And Jesus crucified because it is through his death, his burial, his resurrection that we're all saved. God, would you call people to salvation in this place today? Would you call people to right walking? May we all truly be evangelists and preachers of the word. We ask this in your most holy name and everybody says.